Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. I want to thank God for this opportunity to meet with you this morning. Uh, We live in perilous times. In fact, Paul wrote that uh, in the last days, hard times will come. And I do believe that we are in those, those hard times. So for the believing community, that means that we need to have a deeper fellowship with the Lord and a broader understanding and a deeper understanding of his word and his will for our lives. That means that also we need to be people of prayer and we need to be people of praise. I say this uh, because According to Ephesians chapter 6, you and I are also to put on the armor of God with the idea of never taking it off. Let me also say that this is the time to drop churchianity and begin understanding that if you are faithful to the Lord, then you are involved in the sufferings of Christ. And that is a very powerful doctrine. I'm going to uh, deal with that somewhat today because it is apropos and it is pivotal to where we are. With that, let us have a word of prayer and begin our studies for this morning, our study for this morning. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. For this time, we ask to be guided by your Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures, and who is also, he is also our primary teacher. We ask to be taught by the Spirit, and we do thank you, Lord, for this time of fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, the title of this show, as you well know, is, is this, uh, quote, uh, during the tribulation, Jesus will open the storehouse of his arsenal. And uh, so I'm going to read briefly. I'm going to start from the book of Hebrews. Then we're going to go to uh, Second Chronicles. Then I'm going to go back to Revelation. And we're going to discuss the opening of the first seal by Jesus himself. So Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 11, I should say. I'm going to... Uh, Begin reading at verse 23, Hebrews 12:23. quote, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because, he saw, because they saw he was a proper child. That should read beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's command. So I want you to know their hearts of faith. Remember, 
that the the uh, the Egyptian midwives were to throw the male child uh, children toward the Nile River. Uh, so it reads in Hebrew. Verse twenty-four. By faith Moses, when he was uh, come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So it should literally read the passing pleasures of sin, which uh, is closer to the original. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches, than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Remember, Egypt is a type of the world, or i.e. a type of the cosmos. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Unquote. I want to stop there because uh, Hebrews 11, please read Hebrews 11.1 1, and understand the author is not so much giving us a definition of faith as he is uh, providing for us an understanding of the motivation, uh, motivations of faith or pistis. So please understand the difference because the author will go on in Hebrews 11 uh, to show through these different believers what they did by faith, what they accomplished by faith, what they set out to do by faith or through the instrumentality of faith. So it is very important that we get, uh, that we understand what the author uh, is communicating in Hebrews 11. So uh, moving on from there, now I want, I want to read to you from Second uh, Chronicles because uh, when we go to the book of Revelation and we read about uh, the opening of the the first seal, and note uh, it is it is by Jesus Himself, and I want you to know what is going on here. So this is Hebrews. Excuse me. This is Revelation six, uh, verses one and two. Quote, and John writes, and when I saw the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying come and see and I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer so if you note uh, in the, the Old Testament, we have references. For instance, we have Nimrod, 
which uh, was called a mighty hunter of men before the Lord in Genesis 10, 8 through 14. And note that uh, this conqueror rules with a bow. And uh, so the Antichrist is released by Jesus upon the upon the Christ rejecting world. So there's a distinction that I want to make between divine discipline with regard to believers and divine judgment that is to come upon the world. The two are not the same. So God disciplines his own. But God, uh, and with that discipline, there, uh, there could be the, uh, could include death. Read what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth about what was going on in that community because they had not confessed their sin. They had not addressed their sin. Uh, they, in fact, had allowed a relationship to go on in that church uh, without uh, properly addressing what was going on with that relationship. At some point, they did because Paul stepped in uh, and uh, he had to guide them uh, so that they would understand what it, what was going on in their church. Uh, when sin is allowed uh, in the life of, of a believer, of a believer, then certain events will take place. Now, I know uh, that in the postmodern church, it is people don't like to hear about sin, and one will uh, be in danger, for real, of. of when addressing uh, the topic of sin, the reality of sin. But sin is intrinsic uh, in the hearts of those who are not saved. They are, they, are, they are devoted to the practice of sin. When an individual is saved by the blood of Christ through faith in his blood, then that individual... Uh, is born anew by the Spirit of God. Regeneration. The prefix re means again, rebirth. The individual becomes a new creation in Christ. The old worn out things are passed away. Behold, all things are fresh ever to remain so. That is the spirit of the language in the original so what happened in the past, what was done in the past, uh, those old worn out sins have been done away in Christ. Those sins are not merely covered by the blood of Christ. They are obliterated through the blood of Christ. So uh, now the individual is in Christ, and there is that eternal relationship with Christ. There is that conjoint relationship with Christ. I want to emphasize this because uh, Jesus uh, did not come to found a religion. 
none of the New Testament writers uh, set out to found a religion. That is always human viewpoint thinking. All religions are human viewpoint. Jesus came to found what? The church, the church of the living God. The church means the called, the name means the called out ones. Understand the difference. So in Revelation chapter 6, uh, we see uh, that, that Jesus is in control. Remember in Matthew 28, he said, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. All power. All power. And only that which God has allowed to take place or to un- uh, unfold in history will happen. Period. Now, Oh, in the past, I've alluded to uh, some attempts by the military and other clandestine groups to uh, peer into the future and in order to anticipate uh, uh, or to see if they can have a new future or a new timeline uh, that abrogates or sets aside the the second coming of Jesus. That is so the second coming of Jesus could be avoided. But there is language in the Greek in the New Testament that tells us uh, about God's strategic epochal timing. And no matter what men may attempt to do, remember Daniel wrote that in the uh, in the end, the knowledge will be increased. Knowledge will be increased. But they, uh, there is no plan that will succeed against the Lord. The Lord knows the hearts of man. He knows their hearts. He knows the heart of each believer. In the book of Acts, the first book of church history, two times, God is called the heart knower. No psychotherapist, no uh, psychologist, no counselor, no psychiatrist has that deep information. Now, having said that, let me add, they have a very deep awareness of the unsaved mind and the unsaved heart. God is the absolute heart knower. He knows our motivations. He knows our attitudes moment by moment. So uh, now I want to read to you uh, from Second Chronicles because I, I want you to, to see why Jesus and just an example of God's authority to do what he is doing to the world. Remember, that this book represents the title deed to the earth that was abrogated that or lost by the first Adam. Uh, this is Second Chronicles 12, verse 1. Quote, after Rehoboam's position as king was established and he had become strong, he and all Israel with him abandoned the law of the Lord. 
Because they had been unfaithful to the Lord, Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam with 1,200 chariots and 60,000 horsemen and an innumerable troops of and the innumerable troops of the Libyans, the Sukites and Cushites that came with him from Egypt, he captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then the prophet Shemaiah came to Rehoboam and to the leaders of Judah who had assembled in Jerusalem for fear of Shishak. And he said to them, this is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me. Therefore, I now abandon you to Shishak. Unquote. There for a moment. Now, the northern kingdom belonged to God. Samaria belonged to God. And the southern kingdom belonged to God. They were the people of God. Now, Notice what this king does in contradiction to the word. The king was to have a copy of the word of God that he was to study. He was not the absolute ruler of God's people. God was the absolute ruler. But this king... uh, left or abandoned God, and his people followed him. He is a false shepherd. And so uh, they are culpable for their decision to leave God. So I want you to get this because in the New Testament, we're going to see the same principle where Peter writes, judgment begins at the house of God. And yes, the Bible teaches that judgment is God's strange work. But now I'm talking about divine discipline with regard to the people of God. So uh, they had aban- you have abandoned me, therefore I now abandon you to Shishak in Romans 1. Paul talks about uh, the the people of, of Rome at that time and what they were like and what they were doing. Now, in the book of Jeremiah, I'm going to read. I'm, I'm going to go back to Second uh, Chronicles. This is I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter fifty. I'm going to begin at verse twenty-four. Quote: I set a trap. For you, O Babylon, and you were caught before you knew it. Now God is speaking to Babylon, whom He had used to discipline uh, the the southern kingdom. They went above and beyond what God wanted them to do, and they were brutal to the people of God. So God says uh, He's going to use the rod of discipline that is Babylon that He used against His people. Now God's going to come back and he's going to deal with them. God used, no, no, they're the rod of discipline against the people of God. But then God's going to turn around and judge them. 
in Revelation 6, Jesus is judging the world. Let me go on. I, verse 24, I set a trap for you, O Babylon, and you were caught before you knew it. You were found and captured because you oppose the Lord. Verse 25, this is the key verse. The Lord has opened his arsenal and brought out the weapons of his wrath. For the sovereign Lord Almighty has work to do in the land of the Babylonians. That is a frightening verse. God said, says that he has work to do. Now, I watch the haughty. I watch the arrogant. I watch the haughtily arrogant. I watch the psychopathically arrogant. I watch the dull arrogant. I watch the dark arrogant. And what happens to them over time? And in their rebellion against God, now notice, this king had abandoned God, and guess what happens? They get abandoned in turn. Man can only temporarily uh, abandon God, but God can absolutely abandon, that is, hand people over to their decisions. And I watch how cavalierly people hand over their freedom to, uh, to be enslaved. And I watch the degeneration of their minds, their bodies, their spirits, their hearts. They spiral downward because of the fleeting pleasures of sin. Please read Jeremiah fifty twenty five. The Lord has opened his arsenal and brought out the weapons of his wrath. In Revelation 6, God brings out the Antichrist, one of the weapons of his wrath. Why? Because the sovereign Lord Almighty has work to do in the cosmos. Yes, the uh, Antichrist will receive the power of the devil, but the devil himself is under the sovereign lordship of God. Only what is divinely permitted is going to take place. And God is demonstrated in, in Revelation 6, his sovereignty. All power in heaven and earth has been delivered to Jesus. So now I'm going back to Second uh, Chronicles 12. So God is abandoned. Uh, verse 6. Of Second uh, Chronicles 12, the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, "The Lord is just." Now, this uh, this is very interesting. Verse seven, when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, this word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, "Quote: Since they have humbled themselves, 
I will not destroy them, but will soon give my deliverance. My wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem through Shishak. Shishak was what? One of the weapons in God's arsenal. Read the book of Judges about uh, what happened to God's people when they abandoned him. What did God do? He raised up rulers over them and that oppressed them so much so that they would want to go back, they would repent and go back and say, we want to be under the Lord's rule. But you see that fleeting commitment. They did not so much want to be under the Lord's rule again as they wanted to be out from under the misery that they themselves had created. They got what they asked for, and then they didn't want what they got. And it is through the mercy of God that he delivered them. What you're going to see with the release of the Antichrist is this irresistible force unleashed upon the cosmic system. And if when you read the book of Daniel, you will get more. He is called the little horn. And you will read about his character. Daniel provides a, uh, a character portrait of this, uh, of this creature, what he is like. He rules with a bow. That is, he is a warrior. Like Nimrod, he is a warrior. He has a warrior spirit. And he will rule without mercy. Now, supposedly, the, uh, the uh, Federal Reserve fiat dollar is no more. And the SWIFT system is no more. Read about the SWIFT system. Now, a new quantum uh, system, financial system, has been set up. Everything that happens financially, everything that happens uh, is will be within the quantum system. And so they're talking about electronic money and what that, that will be like. They're talking about uh, the new technology of electronic tattoos so that people will be stamped. Uh, and they can do it through AI. They can do it through 5G. Uh, they're also talking about a new uh, system whereby through your phone, they will be able to re- regulate your car speed. And if you go above a certain speed, uh, the app will register it and you will be fined. You will be ticketed electronically. Everything about uh, the life of the individual will be regimented. Is this the world you want? People act as if God isn't real. They have played their games. They play in their little phony relationships. They play, and so now, uh, you know, has uh, taken a turn. 
and what's going to happen. And it's interesting that many people don't know God. They've never heard anything about God. They've never seen street witnessing. They've never heard real uh, boots on the ground, uh, people in the community preaching and bringing the word of God. They've never heard that. They've never seen that. All they know is churchianity. It's not going to get them through this. So, when the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, this word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. Since they have humbled themselves, I will not destroy them, but will soon give them deliverance, that is salvation. My wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem through Shishak. They will notice the language. They will, however, become subject to him so that they may learn the difference between serving me and serving the kings of other lands. How many believers do you know live here? They don't want to serve the Lord. They they don't delight in serving God. They don't delight in his word. Read Psalm 119. But they, 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 they love what? They love serving the kings of other lands. See, God wasn't going to decimate them. He wasn't going to wipe them out completely. Remember, this is divine discipline. And the people of God are hard-headed. You should read Ezekiel. about And, and uh, God tells Ezekiel, look, don't be deterred from fulfilling my will by their hard facial expressions, by the way they look at you, because it is through their eyes that you can tell their mental attitude and what is going on. God says, no, don't you let that stop you. And God, read what God told the prophet. Don't you let that stop you. So they will, however, become subject to him, the rebellious world, the world that trampled underfoot the blood of the Son of God, the world that cavalierly uh, sets as what? It's satanic pleasures and rituals uh, and uh, profligacy and its excesses before God, saying in their hearts, there is no God. So I can do what I want. I can do what I choose. I can get away with what I want to get away with. These people will understand the destructive nature of that arrogance. They're not going to like it, but they will not escape the consequences of their actions, of their decisions, and their resolves. Now, look, one day I'm just going to give a, a thorough uh, teaching on some of the the language in uh, in the Hebrew Bible that uh, that talks about uh, sin. 
and it talks about goodness and that that powerful dynamic. So, verse eight: When Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything. You see what God allows? He took everything, including the gold shield Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance to the royal palace. See, when you allow the enemy to come in, and uh, destroy and take everything, the gold that was in your house, your house was full of gold. Uh, in order to keep up appearances, in order to keep the facade, you do what? You replace it with bronze. Because you've got to keep up appearances. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards went with him, bearing the shield. And afterwards, they returned him to the guard room. Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger turned from him, and he was not totally destroyed. And he was not totally destroyed. I just want you to get the sense of what God's arsenal is like. So, the Antichrist is going to be this supernatural being with derived power, derived authority. He will rule with a bow. He will be unleashed by Jesus upon the cosmos. Roboam was not to be, he was not totally destroyed. You can read about this king, uh, a Herod, in the book of Acts, who gave the speech, and people say, oh, the voice of a God and not man. And you can read in secular history, they will tell you that, that worms ate this individual up over a period of three days. His intestines were eaten from the inside out. He died horrifically. That's just one example. Then there is the great deluge, the great flood. Then there's a, there's the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then there's the destruction of Egypt, uh, of, of Ramesses Egypt, by Yahweh Elohim. And God takes out uh, Ramesses himself. There's the destruction of Babylon, God himself. God will use a rod of discipline upon his people. He will use an instrument. And then that instrument goes too far. God will turn around and God will deal with that instrument. Read about the Medes and the Persians. Read the book of Daniel. 
when God wanted to destroy the spiritual Saul that lived in David, God used the carnal king Saul to destroy that spiritual Saul that lived in David, that is his flesh. David was so pursued by Saul that David said at one time that one of these days Saul is going to kill me. Why did God do that? God wanted to teach David to get his eyes off of self. Most of the problems that believers have start from what? Eyes on self. Eyes on self. It is the ego. It is the corrupt ego, the corrupt self. When believers fix their gaze on Christ and they look out from themselves, their healing begins. They live again. They're in fellowship with God. And what they want in life happens. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will follow you. Keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Be persistent. Be consistent. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is his righteousness? Well, for believers, it is the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that is reckoned to our account. It's not something we earn, uh, as, you know, some cults will teach. You can't earn your way into heaven by handing out booklets. Or it doesn't work that way. It is through the righteousness of Christ. By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There it is again. I earned my way to heaven. I earned God's righteousness. No, you can't. A sinner cannot earn the righteousness of God. You see, again, it is the deification of human corruption. And when you're so blindly arrogant, you can't even see that you're being led around by arrogance. And believe me, there is no arrogance in heaven. The one super arrogant being that lived in heaven was the devil, Lucifer, son of the morning. And when iniquity was found in his heart, he was cast out. He led a coup. He led a rebellion against God, which earned him what? Being cast out of heaven. And he said, I will. I'm going to put my throne above the throne of God. You see the pathology of arrogance? You see the lie of arrogance? I'm going, as the created, I'm going to be sovereign over the creator. The end of all arrogance will be the lake of fire, which burneth forever and ever. And the devil and his cohorts were cast alive. We read in the scripture were cast alive into the lake of fire. 
but there is no escape. Unsaved people, rebellious people will stand before the great white throne judgment to receive their sentences. They all will have resurrection bodies that are designed to suffer throughout eternity. There's no reprieve. There's no recidivism. It's over. It's done. It's done. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Notice what the scripture says. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It never says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of churchianity. Remember in the book of Jeremiah, he stood at the door of the temple as people were going in for worship, and he gave his temple sermon. Read that sermon. And as they are going into the temple to worship, Jeremiah is preaching, repent. Remember the church of Laodicea, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Remember what's going on here. Tribulation begins with the unleashing of the Antichrist. And... God is going to cripple the cosmos. Everything that people depended upon or took as will always be there at their disposal is going to all be taken away. The economy is going to crumble. And because the economy will crumble, death is going to be unleashed. One of the horses is the horse of death. And there will be unbridled, endless human uh, uh, homicide will take place. It's going to be incredibly terrible. And never do I read in any part of Revelation or the book of Daniel or Joel or any other book do I read, have I read that the church is going through this horrific time. Never. So, in the last days, hard times will come. We are facing hard times now. If you go into, if you've gotten gas, you go to the grocery store, you know. Now they're talking about hyperinflation and a recession. Prepare yourself. Prepare your family. Be wise. Be smart. Be have a noaic spirit. Prepare. Preparing art for your family and yourselves. Stop thinking the way these people think in the cosmos and following their nefarious, nefarious ways. Follow God, and he will lead you in the path of righteousness. He will take care of you and your family. Pray for believers throughout the world. We need one another. We need one another's prayer. Pray for this ministry. Pray for your families. Now, on this day, this resurrection day, let God resurrect a new spirit in you and your family about who he is and what God wants to do to your family. Celebrate this resurrection with a renewed spirit and a renewed attitude. The resurrection is present tense, and may you live out from this day forward, the rest of your days, with the understanding of the present tense nature 
of the resurrected Christ. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.